Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fagan and Phil Goldfeder here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and around the world on Arut Sheva, Israel National News, slash radio. And Phil, welcome back from a couple weeks of R&R for the holidays. Good morning, Michael. It is great to be back. You know, it's funny. It seems like forever ago. I mean, it, it really, it, it you know, you miss one week in this political environment. I mean, there's just... You can't even recap, you know. Back, can we even keep up? In the, you know, back in the day, you can go two, three weeks, have a, a good half-hour show, and you try and touch a little bit on everything. But I think we would need literally like a ten-hour show. I mean, you think Nachum would let us have more than a half an hour? He probably would, but uh, it's uh, we're gonna have to take that up with management. For for now, we're gonna have to pack and unpack everything into that uh, very, very quick half-hour time slot. And you know, as I said, like just yesterday. Uh, the president was just all over the place. I mean, it's just incredible. You could have to do an entire show about Donald Trump in one day, okay? First, the Gold Star family situation, which is puzzling. I mean, really what it comes down to, Phil, the word is why. Why? Why? Why do you go there? Why are you doing this? Why do you have feel that you have to go on Twitter for the whole world to know that you're feuding once again with a family that lost somebody and then also taking pot shots at previous presidents falsely by saying that they didn't act appropriately when it came to comforting brewery families but at the same time the president was also on three sides of the health care debate first he cut announced he was cutting subsidies to obamacare uh, in order to es- essentially to kill it off. Then he said he was in favor of the compromise that was offered by Alexander and Patty Murray. But then later in the same day, he said, well, I'm not really so supportive of that, so it might not happen. This is the problem that people in Congress have. And I think, you know, when it comes down to it, I do fault the Republicans in both the House and the Senate for not being able to get stuff done, not having a plan, not be w- getting buy-in. But I also fault the president for not being the deal maker that he promised to be. If you can't be a deal maker if you're going to undercut other people all the time. And if nobody ever knows where the president's going to be, he's got the biggest bully pulpit out there. There's no question about it. He commands media attention. He's out there being able to sway voters and sway certainly a good portion of the Republican base. If Republicans don't know whether the president is going to support them or undercut them, then how is it that they're supposed to make a deal? Michael, 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 late breaking news. The president is a liar. And he stands for nothing. Okay, let's be very clear. You know, when you're having a very complicated political debate, right, and you have two sides of the argument, and, you know, you're going back and forth, and and it's not even lying. You're sort of like, everybody sort of sees things sometimes a bit differently, right? We all have our own opinions, and we, we view, arguably, you could sometimes view things when you're having a policy debate a bit different than the other person does. And so you see things just a bit differently. That's not lying. That's sort of taking one issue and having different sides of the issue and, and finding ways to come to the middle. Those are the natural things that, that used to happen, right? Those are the natural things that presidents are faced with. This president, as you've just said, creates his own problems and then lies about them. Unlike, I don't even think he's not embarrassed about it. I mean, let's use it just a couple of days ago where the president says, well, I make a point of calling all the families of, of slain soldiers. Ready? He could have stopped right there. He didn't have to say anything more. He could, and, and people would have said, well, that's really nice. You know, it's really great that you do that. But he went on to say, well, President Obama and, and President Bush and previous presidents did not do that. And so that kind of resonates. And, and, and I was actually watching it. And I'm thinking like, 
interesting. It doesn't make any sense, but like, okay, interesting. When he was actually questioned a bit further, he says, well, I don't know what they did, but that's what I've heard or, or that's what I've been told. No, he so, says, go ask General Kelly. Yeah, but that wasn't even, it was not even just well, no, a very no, simple. That, that it was just, a long that rambling. digs the hole deeper. The, because he's because and then he lied he lied right and here's well, the, in order to lie you'd actually have to know that it wasn't true he probably at the time didn't know that it wasn't true he just like says things he just he s- tends to just keep talking is that in a way that continues to dig the hole you're saying that like if he didn't know that it wasn't well, true the question is i think he should know that whether these things he should he shouldn't be the guy but there are people out there who shoot their mouth off all well, the time fine. you and i once said there's there's no person in the world no person in the world with more information, with more information than the president of the united right. states but he not seems not to world. ask first before he talks but this is but that doesn't make him a liar that just makes him ill-informed ill-informed or ignorant ill-informed ignorant he does i i do confess i do think he lies i don't know that he's a liar though you know here's the thing it's it's this is very the president tweeted yesterday morning that you know the congresswoman who claims that you know x y and z she lied she lied and i have proof yes hey michael did you see the proof come out well just because i didn't see the proof doesn't actually mean it's a lie (laughs) <laughs> wow this is this is interesting this is could you know i feel like we can have a show just on this you're saying that he thought there was proof well i have no ability whatsoever to get into the head of our president what's i i really don't but i think you see i i will now come to say to you you have fallen into the trap of being distracted from the things that actually matter Oh this no no! It's no, not see, something that no no. Hold on, and to all whether I, or not there's proof here, I, I don't care about. Look, my, see, my point, to me, it's not the lie; it's the why. When I say to you, why? Why do you engage it? Because you are not productive things he, to do. I, I, it's to me that's more puzzling. I can't stand the fact that the constant lie, the constant. What was that, Michael? Misdirection. slip, but I no, think you got it no, right there. See, I think it's misdirection. See, I think we've said this before. I think the president in general wants to draw attention away from things that he knows are important. Like when he goes off and says certain things, he wanted to draw things away from the Russia investigation. He wants to draw people's attention away from the failure in healthcare. He wants to draw people's attention away from different things that are happening while the administration is not Michael, getting. Stuff I'm going to stop you for a second. I'm going to stop you for a second because I I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to the campaign here, right? Okay, these are the easiest. And by the way, what's so fascinating is that for all the tweets, you know, it was so interesting because for all the tweets about what he's doing for Puerto Rico or he's doing for Houston, or he's doing for Florida. I mean, there's the tweets about how he used to complain about how Obama used to do it, right? For all the tweets about Obama in the past, right, about playing golf, right? He's golfing 10 times as much. But Well, he clearly needs to because he needs to relax a little bit more. But, but here's the thing, and, and you want to talk about, let's, let's, I want to go back to this question of lying Look, for a moment. The it's, president has said a couple times that he didn't realize how hard this job was. He didn't realize how difficult the that, issues you, are. You've taken us to a whole new topic. I don't want to get into that. Real, he didn't realize. Okay. Okay. Can you I, I don't, what, what do you? I don't know what you chalk that up to. But, I, but to say, you know, you recall the first, I think this is one of the first, right? Like, I was always against the war in Iraq. Yes. Right? Did you hear the, the Howard Stern the clip? I did. I, know, I don't know if you listened to the Howard Stern show, but did of you course. hear the clip? Absolutely. And so he was pretty clear. He and was so, clear. 
he said he didn't make fun of the New York Times reporter. I saw the video. It was pretty blatantly obvious that he made fun of that reporter. I, I, I'd like for someone else to interpret that differently. I don't see how you can. He mocked a, a disabled reporter. Well, he would say. And then said, I didn't do it. I have a video that says you did do it. The, the, the age of technology now, Michael, everything he You're says. You're forgetting about the, about the thousands of Muslims <laughs> celebrating on the rooftops in Jersey oh, City. Oh, Michael, there's, there's hundreds. I'm just, you know, you know, it's early in the morning and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, you, you caught me on this one. I call like, you pre-second coffee. Yeah, I, I'm like, maybe you don't want to be as, as. But that doesn't. You don't want to say the words because maybe it's disrespectful to the office. But like, so there's I, a, this president has disrespected this office way more than I ever I, can. I, ha- I happen to agree with that. I don't know it's about the. I just don't like the idea of liar in the sense of in every sense. I want I still have this feeling that perhaps he can grow into the job. I think the the problem here is look, we know we both are privileged to know a lot of people in politics and you know, even the nature of the show, spin class, right? We talk about spin, we talk about, we try and have some kind of kernel of of truth that we expand upon in order to make it look advantageous to the, to the side that we're looking at. I think in general, and just having looked at him, because I think it's so, uh, I don't want to say pathological, habitual, I think is more like it. Pathological the, president, the president is so prone to exaggeration on everything. Oh, he, you goes, being kind. he goes to, he goes to, to hyperbole, he goes to extents, and he doesn't need to. That's to me. That's the problem. To me, it's the political malpractice that really bothers me the most. It's the fact is that here you are being self-defeating. You are continue to do things. You know, you always try and say, okay, there's two. You know, you you work in the campaign. They're saying, okay, it's my use of my time or my money. What am I getting out of this? How am I getting? Moving the ball forward. You know, Donald Trump has kind of written rewritten the playbook almost entirely in this case of just doing things that serve no political purpose by most people's estimation and somehow they've served him well. Dominating the airwaves and continue for people to talk about him all day has served him well. So he continues to do it. Hold on, you, how and do he you continues define- to do it the same way that he did the campaign. But that doesn't get anything accomplished. So how do you define serves him well, right? So his base supporters, his well, 34, he won, 35, he the, 40%. He, he, won the, he won the primary and he won the election. Fine. But you know what? You're forgetting... Even he's forgetting he won the election. We're over. We're yeah. in the governing stage. Oh, I, so for the president to still be talking about Hillary Clinton agreed. is just sad. It's just sad. Why are we talking? Who cares? He, you won. He wants, he wants the, his supporters want to talk about Harvey Weinstein. And they want to say, well, Harvey Weinstein equals Hillary Clinton, equals Barack Obama. So therefore, there's no reason to ever talk about Donald Trump because the Democrats are bad. Harvey Weinstein, the last time I checked, Harvey Weinstein holds no office whatsoever. Yes, he gives a lot of money to Democrats. But but that's not... Yeah, it's neither here nor there. I agree with you. It doesn't... But as I said, you know, he's kind of this guy who said, oh, this works. I can do wherever I want. When I am cautious... 
Trump, when I'm studied Trump, when I'm pre-programmed Trump, it doesn't work. Okay, people don't like me. I want to still be the disruptor in chief. Okay, so but and that is a, there is a political. However, it doesn't accomplish anything. So it doesn't. So, so two things. So number one, it doesn't accomplish anything, and I, I want to no, talk about you that. You can't be. You can't. And I'll just just last point. You should you, you should talk about it. last point. Being a disruptor does not get people fed, clothed, and give them shelter and water in Puerto Rico. Correct. Correct, right? And so, number you one... You have to be able to govern. It, so, number one, it doesn't accomplish anything. It accomplishes zero. But here's number two, is that the president is not up for re-election, as we've mentioned, for three years. However, midterm elections are coming up in just a year from now. And I think... And this is what's so bo- bothersome to me, is because there are some good Republicans in the House, in the Senate, quality people who just want to get something done, who unfortunately are going are gonna to be a victim um, to this political malpractice. And are going to lose their elections. You know, people who have the best of intentions, who want to serve, are going to lose their elections. Again, now I'm well, hoping... Well, typically in the midterms, the party in power, and in this case, this is a party, the Republicans hold all all three, I mean, the presidency and the two houses of Congress. So typically they do pretty poorly. And so, number one, 2018 is going to be, I think, a difficult year for people running on the Republican line. I, You know, it... I, it's hard to say Republicans or Democrats because you know, you know, it was hard. You weren't you, sure. You, you're postpartisan, <laughs> of course. But but here's number two. Number two, and I think you said it straight. And I'm going to use an example just from from the last couple of days that we've been watching, is actually getting something done. And so we saw that the Republicans tried to fix Obamacare or repeal and replace Obamacare time and time again, and it, and it wasn't. They weren't able to get it done. However, you actually saw. Two senators, one Democrat, one Republican, who came together, who worked with each other, and came up with a fix, right? With a fix to a what is arguably a, a significant problem in Obamacare to make things better, only to have a president who is all over the map. One day he supports it, one day he doesn't support it, one day he likes the process, one day he doesn't like the process. So, where do we go from here? What do we? How do you actually govern? Govern? <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. You can't. You can't govern with govern with just the Republican Party. Obviously, the Democrats don't have enough votes to govern. And now we've actually seen two level-headed people from opposite parties who came together to make a real governing decision, and the president is not sure if he's going to support it or not. Well, the president is of two minds here. I mean, at one point, at one side, he feel he wants like he did with. DACA or others, you know, says that he's going to try and cut a deal with the Democrats, and he's got he did it on the debt ceiling, and he was very excited about that. And then he said he maybe he wants to do it again, but then he gets afraid of his base or his people, as he calls them, and he's nervous about that, and he doesn't want to go ahead and get them unhappy with him. And you know, at the other hand, he has you know Steve Bannon out there who is now, I mean, who gave a speech this past week, I mean, basically a warning for the Democrat, for the Republican establishment, just read you uh, some quotes, you know, Steve Bannon's out there and says, yeah, Mitch, the donors, the donors aren't happy. Bannon said at last week's Value Voters Summit, they all left you, we cut off your oxygen, we cut your oxygen off, Mitch, okay, money is not courageous, but money is smart, okay, I mean, here's Steve Bannon, I don't want to say what the guy's dressed like, but at the Value Voter Summit, which itself is 
strange given their embrace of of, of the president just on his on a personal level if you're a values voter but I don't want to it, it's not that the evangelicals and the Trump wing have have made common cause which is fine but Steve Bannon is out there as a guy who in the past if you look at his past efforts to dethrone the Republicans is not the first time he tried this he tried this back I think it was in 2012 and his candidates that he picked to go ahead and primary the establishment Republicans, they all lost. I think it was Murdoch in uh, Indiana, and remember Todd Aiken in Missouri? Uh, he ended up losing. I mean, you ended up, the Republicans lost a whole bunch of seats that they should have won because of Steve. This kind of thing has been tried before. The problem is, you can beat Republicans with a base election in a primary, but you're not necessarily going to win the general and that's a you know because the country in the end in a lot of states not like the house but in the senate is kind of a little bit down the middle and so here's the problem right i feel bad for a guy like mitch mcconnell i never thought i'd ever say those words in my whole life i feel bad for him why because in one speech and in one sentence the president of the united states is beating him up right is his former staffer steve bannon is out there doing all these things the president himself is saying he has no confidence and congress has failed and the leadership has failed and and then the next sentence <laughs> the president is is doing a press conference in the Rose Garden, and Mitch McConnell is sadly forced to stand there and essentially take it. Um, but McConnell is putting, like like we want a lot of people to do, McConnell is putting country over himself. I mean, I, I think that that's a case. He wants to get stuff done. He respects the office. The president is the president. The president calls you and wants to talk about getting stuff done mitch mcconnell is going to try and get stuff done but what's the end game i mean that's I the, think end, that's game, the, question the end game for republicans right now it's kind of the hail mary pass to see if they can pass tax reform they need to do it they need to win the republicans need to pass tax reform okay and they need to make it happen now the president isn't making it any easier because when you turn around and you sell bob corker i'm going after you and you tell jeff flake i'm going after you and john mccain i'm going after you can we spend a minute on that i, I want to talk about please. bob corker for a minute because you know and, and i'd love to hear your thoughts here Whatever happened, and, and, and coming back, and it they used fun. to be friends. Well, they used to be friends, right? And so Bob but, Corker was almost the vice presidential nominee of the Republican Party. Bob Corker says, the president says, without being asked, by the way, that Bob Corker begged for my endorsement, and once I refused to give it to him, he decided not to run. Bob Corker said, that is not true. That never happened, right? So, so how do you... How, how do you how does that jive like so so somebody is is lying right michael they can't both think they're right much like the phone call this morning you know that was either well, there's a good question can people two people have the same conversation <laughs> and have different versions of it of course they can i you know here's... i'm going with corker on this one but however i just want to say I, I, you know it's funny i, I never thought i i you have I never thought we'd get to this part. You of the- ever thought that I would drink the Kool Aid? Well, guess what? I haven't. It just <laughs> happened to be. I just, I just happened to believe that the president has a very selective version of you know what he thinks happened. This is the president of the United yes, States. Yes, it is, and I blame, I blame people in the White House for not having him well, better prepared and better programmed for you know how to do the job. Yeah, you know it's. Funny. But I also at the same time have to blame him for not having the right people there. But it's gotten better. Okay, so let, let's. It's gotten better. I, I'm I'm not sure I believe that. I mean, we're we're almost a year into the first. We're like what, nine, ten months into into his, and it's just getting better. I mean, this is the president of the United States, right? You know, you remember the commercials? Look, this week, right? This week, this <laughs> one, yeah, the president nominated the drugs are. 
Representative Tom Marino of that Pennsylvania. That lasted, what, all of a couple days. Okay, but at least he had the good sense to get the guy to withdraw <laughs> after knowing that the, you were the same guy that you were hiring to combat the opioid, the scourge of opioid epidemics, which is, which is everywhere, was actually the champion of helping pharmaceutical co- companies get prescription pain medication into people's hands and most of it a lot of it ending up on the black market which itself is a shocking thing i I urge everybody to read this and watch this report it's just incredible it's a little it's incredible how much the pharmaceutical industry controls of of our government but do you remember when we were doing nominations for cabinet secretaries and and you and i i remember the show like it was yesterday and you and i are sitting there like Who's vetting these people before you make a nomination, before you make such an appointment? That person is deeply, I mean, should be, should be scrubbed. Deeply vetted. Should be scrubbed. Who Up and down. Behind the ears. Right? Who told the president to make this appointment? Who? I'm sure there was some lobbyist somewhere who said that. Look, that, I mean, that's... See, that's, see, there's a great example, right? So when the president says drain the swamp and they say drain the swamp, we're going to drain the swamp, are they lying? No, they're giving you a slogan. I don't believe it. They're giving you, but here's that, but that's. Okay, so politics comes down to that. Okay. No, you, but, but Phil, but, you, have, you have revealed to the audience here today the problem with our political system is that people don't tell the truth. See, no, the see, problem, no, 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 what's stop. absurd I'm stop here, you. hold on, what's no, no, no. absurd here, what's I'm going to mo- stop you, hold on, what's most absurd here, <laughs> what's most absurd here, it's good you're coughing because I have an opportunity to get more words, oh, I'm, I'm it's, gonna... it, what's most absurd here is that we, is that the president says so many things that are demonstrably false, you just fell he into may the not, trap, he may not know that they're demonstrably false, but he says them anyway, but at the same time, he's appreciated because he is a truth teller. It's just really the way he. It's it's not about that. It's about his the, his willingness to be disruptive to say things Did I, that are outrageous, and people take the outrageous things that he says as as being truth. Did I just hear you right? Well, Phil, you just revealed that that everybody lies. I didn't say everybody lies. What'd I you said say? there is there is falsehood and whatever going See, but on. But that politics. is that narrative is sort of the explanation that I get, right? It's like when, when I say, well, I, I think Trump lied here and, and individual examples, I think that was a lie or I think that was a, a misrepresentation of the truth. All politicians lie. That's the response, by the way. All politicians lie. So by the way, and that cuts both ways because well wait, it does. wait a second, I thought he wasn't a, I thought he wasn't a politician. And if he is a politician then, then why do we like him so much? Oh but all politicians are bad and lie. No, ladies and gentlemen, that is not the case. I would hope that most politicians work very hard and diligently on behalf of their constituents and fight for what they think their constituents believe in. Usually, you would hope it's it's over a policy matter and there's disagreements, but we're not lying. By the way, and this is the, the worst part of it, for the sake of doing it, right? There's no... I think you would even agree, right? There's no tangible value to do it. It, It's just the opposite. Most of this stuff has not served the president well. I will continue to say that over and over. This has not, the president has not been served well by his continued insistence on things that are demonstrably false. And he continues to talk about things over and over that are just false. It's, I don't understand where. You know, we're he, whoever is around him. I mean, I it really just must be that nobody can tell him, even his kids, uh, can tell him, hey, that's just wrong. 
and you can't, you know, it's just, it's just false. But you know what? We're not going to solve this right now. I, I'll, I'll let you have a last word. But I, we did, we did pro- promise ourselves we're going to go into some local elections. I want to talk about the New York City mayoral debate and possibly, you know, one or two other things. No, so the, the last word I would say on this is, is look, I'm, I still, and I've said this every single show. Like, I want him to succeed. I want the president to be successful. I want the United States to, to, to continue to succeed. You know, but you know something has to happen and something has to change, I think, for that to happen. And I hope that it does. But at the end of the day, we've got to find ways to, to move forward. And unfortunately, I see no sign of that. And I think we've got to, we, we've got to sort of put ourselves back in the right direction. Well, we'll figure it out next week to see if anything uh, good, if anything happened. The in final word is, is final that, word. The final word on this topic is that I, I think that tax reform is key. I think it is crucial. I think it's the only way. It's the only way Republicans get get back. By the way, as an American and as a taxpayer, I want to see a simpler code. I feel bad for the accountants who you know who who, who might not have a job anymore. But like the tax code needs we'll work, and, and I think that hopefully as. Next week goes progresses. We'll get more details and able to talk about okay, it. Okay, Phil, more. who won the New York City mayoral debate in case anybody was, was actually watching? Not New Yorkers. New Yorkers. <laughs> Agreed. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the truth is having a guy like Bo Deedle on the on the stage was an embarrassment. It was an embarrassment. Look, I actually... And I, Bash had to shut off his mic. I, I'll tell you this, and I, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Bill de Blasio. He's somebody who I've known for a long time. I served together along with Nicole Maliotakis. I think they could have looked... Again, they have different viewpoints. I think they could have had a substantive debate. Bo Deedle did nothing. I mean, he he literally just he was the disruptor. And right? I'm not going to. Where s- have we heard of that? Where have we heard that before? He tried. He tried to go for that. It did not work for him at all. It really. It didn't. He was. He came across as nasty. You know, Trump. I have to say, the debates come across in many cases as funny. And 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 likable and blunt, whatever. Deedle really came across as nasty. But I have to say, I was impressed. Nicole Mayotakis had her moments. She didn't. She she went after the the mayor. She's way behind. But she did go over on some on some substantive issues. I thought the mayor was underwhelming. He just basically wanted to talk about Trump all the time, and you know threw that out a couple times. Well, look, and, I, and and you know try to. I mean, look, it's good politics. If I'm the mayor, I, by the way, if absolutely. I was his political advisor, I would tell him to do exactly that. Right. right? You know the the with these debates, especially when you have people, you know people in elected office who are leading in the public polls by 20 percent, maybe even more forty. Just don't make any mistakes, right. right? Just you know, go out there. You could be plain. You could you know not be overwhelming, but just don't make any mistakes. I don't think the mayor did. I think he did a, a good job. I think. Look, I think Nicole, sadly, standing next to to Bodito, I mean, anybody would have looked fantastic, but Nicole kept her kept a level head. I think you know. Unfortunately for her, he didn't go after her. No, but I think she was a little light on the substance. I think she could have spent a little bit more time preparing. Um, the mayor obviously knew. I thought she was better than the mayor on the substance, but yeah, look, I think the mayor was well prepared and I don't think the mayor made any big mistakes. No. I think he did a good job and right. I, you know, and I think he's going to win his reelection in a, in a major landslide. Nobody, you know, I, the interesting thing is just having watched a snippet of it, the more, most interesting debate was, uh, actually, uh, actually I should say the more interesting back and forth was JC Polanco. Uh, for for public advocate against Tish James, I mean, he came across. It's funny that the Republican Party doesn't put more effort. I mean, you have J.C. Polanco running a Latino, um, very very well spoken, and uh, just uh, really getting no play whatsoever running against Tish James for public advocate. Because if anything, I mean, not that there's that the mayoral candidate stands a huge chance, but you also have almost the controller candidate and the public advocate candidate. You know, really at almost. 
our total afterthoughts. I can you know, let me tell you something. I absolutely love Tish James, our public advocate. I do, and I, I say that uh, from literally like the bottom of my heart. I mean, there's a just a woman who doesn't stop working, and I don't know. You know, it's funny, and I didn't I didn't catch that debate. You know, shame on me. But Tish James is is what what I would call a worker bee, right? It doesn't. I think there were ten viewers, so you would have been the eleventh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize to to the rate for the ratings drop, but I like Tish, right? And so. Look, she's a hard worker. Yeah, I think. look, uh, Tish James showed up at uh, at the uh, Orthodox Union's press conference at City Hall um, saying that the mayor's free lunch for all is not a free lunch for yeshiva students. And she made a, a point of saying that, which is, look, this I mean, this is just a, a, a an example of the de Blasio administration's tone deafness on so many issues, right? They're out there making these big, bold pronouncements, and we both like the mayor, uh, you know, and I, I have, I, I respect it. But on this issue, they're just tone deaf. When it came to issues of non-public schools, whether the UPK, UPK is open to all, but we won't do half day to accommodate yeshivas. Free lunch for all, but we won't do, offer kosher or halal options to for, for religious uh, students. I mean, come on. Why are you so tone deaf when it comes to this? Yeah, you know, look, again, I, I give Tish a lot of credit. She's willing to be a check on the mayor when, when appropriate. And I think, I think you know, not, more than that is that she's not, she's not running away from the work. She's jumping right into it. And she's not shying away from tough issues because they're controversial or tough. And she's jumping right into it. And again, you know, look, I, I don't want to get into sort of some, some of the policy debates that are going on right now. But I think... I think Tish deserves her re-election. I, it, by the way, while we're on the subject, I think Scott Stringer has done an, a, an amazing job. I think he deserves. I couldn't even. Here's this is. I'm gonna say this. I don't even know who's running against Scott Stringer. Mm. Scott, I hope you're listening. I don't even know who's running Michael against Faulkner. you. Michael See that? I didn't even see know. that. Michael Faulkner is a very charismatic guy as well, but I have to say, it's uh, see that's a sad state of sad state of affairs. Right, as, I'm as and you're, and as, you're as, insider as you are, right? I, that's a I, sad state of affairs I when it comes down to it. You. Election day is coming up, and you are not you as a political insider here are not aware of who's running, and I'm not even a resident of the city. And here we now, are. Look, this is it's. This I is, think it's it, it's. By the way, this is not, and this is not on on Mr. Faulkner or Polanco. This is not on them. I think. The public advocate and the controller have done an amazing job, right? You know, the mayor just tends to get more, more, more publicity, and so we know. Look, I, I served together along with Nicole, and and so I know her. But you know, when you're you, exactly what you said, sort of the the down as you get farther down the ballot, it just gets more and more complicated, especially in New York City, to to separate yourself. All right. Well, that does it for the this week. Next week, Phil, we're going to unpack or repack the county executive races. Maybe we'll get to New Jersey a little bit as uh, we head towards Election Day of 2017 here on Spin Class. Thanks for joining us here on the Knuckles Single Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.